Slob Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Stud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Salamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here. Talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Man, it's October 17th already. I could have sworn it was just August and we were uh, jonesing for football. But here we are, October 17th, and uh, we're in the middle of a college football season. Things are getting cranked up in the NFL. And uh, Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino are here to try and make sense of it all for you here on a Monday. Emil, how's the weekend, man? How'd it go for you? Oh come on! You're asking me. You're throwing. You're lobbing me up a softball, aren't you? Your Cowboys won. They beat the Packers. That, come That's on! Does it get any? One. I probably had the greatest Sunday of my life in quite some time. First of all, it was uh, my grandson Grayson's fourth birthday. My wife made me a big meal, so I was sitting there nice and fat. You know how us Italians God, like to eat. God, I was I love happy that. for yeah. Yeah, 4:30. I turn on the Cowboys, and they just absolutely roll the Packers. I mean, roll them nice in Lambo. Then I take a 30-minute break. I burp. I, you know, do my stuff. And I watch Clayton Kershaw deal filthy stuff to the Cubs all night in a one nothing Dodger win. I mean, for me, you know me. Could that day get any better unless USC played at 1 o'clock? Hey, well, listen. Uh, they played on Saturday and played pretty doggone well. And uh, no one's calling for Clay Helton's head anymore right now. USC starting to look good. Starting to get things in gear. So, yeah, Saturday was great. Sunday was great. Uh, all is well for you this weekend. I had a How about you? You, you seem to have, I, we were just talking off air, you seem to have yourself quite the day. I know what happened Saturday, of course, but Friday night, big win. I mean, Friday we had a good night, weekend, big buddy. District win. Yeah, yeah. Big, big district win for American Heritage High School in Plantation, Florida, where I am the uh, defensive coordinator. Um, big district battle against the uh, – Undefeated team that is uh, a, a rival. I guess you could call it a rival. We've won nine straight, eight straight, or something like that against this team. But, but they've been getting better and better. Uh, they bring a pretty good team in on Friday night, and and uh, you know we were pretty dominant. You know, a lot of penalties for us though. Uh, we got that Oakland Raider thing going on, so we racked up quite a few penalties. To be uh, to be exact, Emil, 15 penalties for 138 yards. Well, I hope you're at least getting personal fouls like the Raiders and not 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 oh, three snap penalties. Fouls, you know, yeah, you don't yeah. get 138 yards at the half without some personal fouls in there. So we racked them up. Um, nevertheless, overcame them. More than likely, almost one of those deals where we're going to see this team again um, later on in the playoffs. So you know, you know how I feel about those rematches. But 
I'm up for the yeah, I'm up well. for the challenge. I'm definitely up then for the Sunday, challenge. Then Sunday the Gators found their offense. We'll talk about Saturday. that later. They, they Saturday. Saturday, excuse me, they found their offense. I have Sunday etched in my mind. They yeah, found you know, the offense. Emil, they didn't they didn't really find their offense. They didn't. Uh, no. The, the the offense was choppy. Uh quarterback threw three interceptions. Um, a lot of disjointed drives and punts and things of that nature. You know, Luke Del Rio's back in at quarterback, so looked looked rusty, um, and it took them later on in the game. But, you know, the offense and the team got sparked by the defense, which, you know, has been something that's been going on for the last several years at Florida. And there's nothing wrong with that, um, especially from a guy like myself um, who's played and coaches defense. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and they and they got it going. Uh, Tease Tabor at pick six, and then you know my son. Now you're wait, time Wilson. out. You're telling me this because you're not happy with the turnovers, I'm sure. But you're being a little hard. I mean, when Florida goes over 500 yards in total offense and runs the ball for almost 300 yards, I mean that's a big day. No offense to Gator fans. Hey, out yards there are great if you're in a fantasy and all that kind of stuff. But when you roll up 500 yards um, against Missouri, you should be able to score. Um, more than two touchdowns on offense. They scored twice, all right? Now, people yeah, are looking at that score, you. 40 to 14. There were two pick sixes, and then there was an onside kick that didn't go the way Missouri wanted that was run back for a touchdown. Outside of that, two offensive yeah. touchdowns and then two field goals. So, you know, you want to see them so put they it kept, in the end zone. So what you're zone. saying is they kept, they kept bogging down either penalties, turnovers, whatever it was. It just wasn't, it wasn't pretty as far as execution. Yeah, the refereeing crew in this game seemed to be in love with the false false start call. Um, that's just, I, I don't know, I guess that's what they're all about. They call a bunch of false starts on both teams, and it just kills like the, it kills the flow of the football game. You know, from a fan perspective, um, with the false start, there must have been about 10 to 12 of those calls. I'm like, come on, really, you're calling them on wide receivers in any and There's everyone. nothing worse in football to kill a drive or just the momentum of a team or fan base than pre-snap penalties. You get a bunch of those, it's it's kind of like watching a relief pitcher in baseball that takes 35 seconds between pitches. The Dodgers have one of those guys, by the yeah, way. Yeah, or That's a batter that keeps calling for time, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah all right, it's, it's can brutal. we let a play get off here? Oh, did the receiver flinch? Did he grab his towel before the snap? For crying out loud, give me a break. Stop with the false yeah. start penalties. It's one thing if the guy starts taking off and he's getting into the DB before the ball is snapped, but, I mean, good grief. Did he yeah, we're not into he... Canadian rules here at the Gridiron Stud Show, but we, we, we don't mind the occasional receiver wants to clean his hands as he's standing there. That's not a false yeah, start. Yeah, for, for God's sakes. I mean, for no one sitting in the stands, could anyone notice the majority of these calls anyway? So, uh, whatever, you know, referees – do their thing. We didn't have a particularly good crew on Friday night either. And you know what's funny, Amos? I coached youth football here in South Florida for quite some time. And, you know, in coaching youth football, I obviously run into referees. You know, you have 10, 12, 13 games a season. Figure I did that for eight years. Um, when you see some of these Little League crews that you knew were bad showing up to your high school game, um, in pregame, I already know what it's going to be. You know, I'm like, oh, God, well, God this crew. It's like you the know, government, man. They go. just keep promoting you until you get to the highest level, and then you wait for your watch and you retire. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> uh, it's, unbel- it's just a feeling that I get. When I come through the gate for pregame and I see the crew that shows up, I'm just, you know, prepare yourself. Um, and, yeah, they gave they gave me exactly what I expected on Friday night. Well, let's let's talk about your NFL team, Emil. It's, it's great, the uh, – you know, as you said, the Cowboys went out, dominated 
the Green Bay Packers. Um, I, I'm not impressed with this Packers team. Um, have not been all season, I, you know, for the, for the last two seasons. But you had your excuse last year because, you know, Jordy Nelson was on the shelf. But I'm going to say this, and I'm going to continue to say this. Aaron Rodgers, right, and tell, give me, other than that ring, okay, which, you know, I don't, it's like semi-big. Other than that ring, though, you know, they got themselves one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Other than that ring, tell me the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino Dan Fouts, and a pre-Terrell Davis John Elway right now. What's the difference? Nothing. I mean, they're all really good throwers of the football. I mean, that's – I mean, if, if you're asking – if it's a trick question, I mean, each one was a phenomenal passer, but prior to that, you know, none of them wanted to be involved in any sort of uh, game where the team ran the ball. Matter of fact, I read up an article on ESPN or one of the sites where someone was trying to figure out what's wrong with the Packers. And they listed five different reasons. And the one that jumped out to me was they actually think, this writer, this, this analyst thinks, the mm-hmm. Packers may be trying to run the ball too much. And I'm sitting there scratching my head Say going, what? And I'm reading, yeah, I'm reading. He's like, he's like, they're averaging 25 runs a game. I mean, that takes the ball out of Rogers' hands. Listen, pal, this isn't, you know, your, your Xbox game down in your basement. If I was anything, if I was the Packers, I'd be trying to figure out how to get these guys like Lacey uncorked for for 30, 35 runs a game between them and start pounding the football. Then then you make Rodgers far more effective. He can go play action. He can stop running around the pocket like a chicken with his head cut off. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's throw, throw, throw. Let's take a look at yesterday, a typical day for them. Um, Eddie Lacy gets 17 carries with 65 yards. Okay, maybe Eddie Lacy's not the guy, but you know what? You've, this has been going on for a couple seasons now. Green Bay, you need to address this. For you know, for crying out loud, you're from Green Bay, Wisconsin, okay, um, and you don't have an offense that is made for the made for the winter. You don't, and they're gonna go into they're gonna go into. They, I mean, you can't go into Minnesota and want to throw the ball around um, in inclement weather. I mean, you know, uh, you, you know, you, that's just not gonna work. I mean, you can't even. You can't go to Seattle in a playoff no. game and want to throw the ball around and think that that's going to work out for you because you've got Aaron Rodgers. You can't. For the first, you, you were in my, you were mentioned in my living room yesterday during the game in a positive light for once, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. And I, I was awesome. saying how much. <laughs> I said 16 years ago we were introduced to one another, and I said, of all the people I know that that I like talking football with, it's you because you you taught me some stuff over the years about looking at a box score and stuff like that. And, you know, that was a classy example of that game yesterday. You know, a fan will go today, and they'll click on the, you know, they, they didn't see the game. So they'll go read their paper, and they'll read the box score, and they'll see, hey, each team had 24 first downs. The Cowboys had 424 yards. The Packers had 372 yards. And it'll look like, you know, you know, if Green Bay could just clean a few things up, you know, they made four turnovers, Dallas only made two, they can actually get better. And that may be true, but here's the problem if you watch that game, and you are gonna, you might know where I'm going once I, I start talking about this. The Packers put up a lot of yards that are nothing more than fantasy yards. At the end of the first half, they got the ball with 30 seconds left on their own 25-yard line, no timeouts. They ended up completing a few passes to midfield. Then they threw a dump off. The guy ran down to the Dallas 15-yard line, got tackled. The, game, the half was over because they were already out mm-hmm. of timeouts. They picked mm-hmm. up about 70 yards of offense. They were out of the game. It was 27-9. The game was decided. 
Aaron Rodgers went down on one of his fantasy drives, as I call it. Throw the ball all the way down the field. Dallas played prevent. The Packers score a touchdown, roll up another 70, 80 yards of offense. So at the end of the day, you're looking at that game, you're saying, eh, it wasn't that bad. But it really was. When the game was in doubt, the Packers couldn't, couldn't really move the football consistently. No, and it it just goes back to this whole thing with the with the ground game. It puts not having it the way you you know you need it puts pressure on everyone. So right now, I don't see Aaron Rodgers, uh, the member of the Green Bay Packers, returning to the Super Bowl anytime soon. They'll tickle their fans at certain points um, throughout the rest of his career, um, but you know they're all going to fall apart in the end, and it'll be blamed on this one, that one, and every. Listen, I've seen this movie. Uh, obviously in the 80s, living down here in South Florida, watching Dan Marino, and because he was so excellent at throwing the football, the blame was put, you know, everywhere else. But it's you're relying too much on the arm, uh, you know. And I, I'm stuck. I don't know if it's the quarterback himself not being interested in wanting a ground game, or if it's the organization not, you know, insisting on it and putting something like that together. I think it's but a little bit of, of both. I, I watch them, and I think they feel like Rodgers can just compensate for their deficiencies all over that field. Uh, you know, going into that game yesterday, I'll, I'll admit you were more confident than me, and maybe it's because it's my team, so I have an emotional interest. Um, mm-hmm. But I looked at that rushing defense of the Packers where they were only giving up 40 yards a game, and I felt it was a mirage because I said to myself, well, wait a second, they played Jacksonville, they played Minnesota, and that, I believe, was Bradford's first game, so Minnesota wasn't exactly playing great offense at that point. They played the Lions. They played the Giants. They played four teams who can't run the ball, and they themselves can't run the ball. So how did they get this great rush defense? I felt like people were saying, oh, I think the, the Green Bay rush defense is going to force Dak Prescott to win this game. I said, guys, maybe I'm just a homer, but I've, I've watched the Dallas offensive line, and the, the Green Bay defensive line is not going to stop that that offensive line not happening. Yeah, uh I mean it's uh this is going to go on and on and you know like I said the the blame's going to be put everywhere. Um but and and then now they're even starting to get on Aaron Rodgers not looking as good and you know it's just it's going to happen that way when when you you just you you got to be able to run the football anymore. That's just really what it boils down to. And the Packers don't commit themselves to it. I think yesterday may have been um what well, would they have? Let me let me take a look at this in terms of rushing attempts in a game that was you know we fairly competitive it, into the third yeah, quarter. It wasn't it wasn't a blowout. It was what 17-6 at the half. I mean, it wasn't a game you couldn't run the football. Yeah, 24 carries um in total for, you know, the Packers. And uh compared to, you know, 34 for the Dallas Cowboys, 28 for Ezekiel Elliott, who cranks out 157 yards, he's starting to look really good, Emil, too. So, I mean, that's only going to help the Cowboys' cause. But well, let's you get played, on now. You know, you're going to tell me this. You're going to tell me this didn't happen much when you're at Miami, and frankly, it probably didn't. But if it, if you can recall it at any point in your life, you're playing defense, and it's a seven or ten point game in the fourth quarter. Is there anything more disheartening than having a team just line up? You know they're going to run the ball. Everybody in the stadium knows they're going to run the ball, and they just keep getting four or five, six yards. Is there anything worse than that feeling? Uh, well, I know the player. You know, it didn't happen often at the University of Miami, but it did happen in my final game for the Hurricanes against uh, Nebraska. And um, there's nothing worse than that. You can kind of explain away someone passing the ball around on you. And you just always feel like, okay, you know, we're going to get one here. 
they're going to make some mistakes. But when they're pounding the ball down your throat, um, it's just a different feeling that comes over you, you know. Um, and and just right now, the Packers feel, don't. I mean, I, I can't relate, but I would suspect the feeling as a player it's a helplessness. is helpless. It's a yeah, it's just a helpless. Like we can't we can't yeah, stop you're being it. Out like physical. we know it's coming. I don't know. You yeah. ever had a, a, a you know an older cousin or something like that? Yeah. You know, yeah. you feel like this this is the time I'm going to get him. We're wrestling, and he just holds you down and has your head down on the carpet, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? You're just sitting there waiting. The, until well, the only thing I can relate to sports-wise is having having played baseball, being a pitcher, and having you know when you're younger and you pitch, usually you can hit too because that's how you know it's not the major leagues. The better players can do. And I remember facing a guy who was you know throwing in the low 90s, which back in the day was was you know pretty hard. I mean, not like today where mm-hmm. like guys throwing 99. And you know he threw me a fastball. I heard it. He threw me a curveball. I, I I froze. He <laughs> threw me another fastball. I heard it again, and it was a helpless feeling because I'm thinking, yeah, I, I can't I, hit you this know, guy. I can't hit yeah. this guy. <laughs> I've experienced that both, you know, playing playing and coaching baseball down here. You know, I remember that we were uh, in a tournament. Um, I think we're 11 and under. Uh, pitchers on the mound rubbing his mustache, um, <laughs> throwing 95 right. miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, hey, you can't. You're, you're just you're it's the same feeling in football. That's the feeling you get in football. I'm sure, yeah. right? The kids, the kids yeah. throwing. You're, you're, he's, you know, he, you're not 11. He, he can't but hit you guys got away with it. And this kid, we're hearing the fastballs go by us, and uh, no, if, if we see it, that's great. We're not touching it. Yeah, though. and that's it. So the same thing going on here. Let's slide over to your team, though. Um, listen, Emil, uh what's your guy gonna do? Because let's let's are, are we paying attention to what's going on here? This is five straight for the Dallas Cowboys. Your only loss this year with Dak at the controls was one point in his first start as a complete rookie. They've rolled off five straight wins. You've got a bye week. The Eagles are next. And isn't Tony supposed to come back for the Eagles game? Isn't that that what it is? Let me me tell you something. I'm, I'm telling you this now. You know, we make jokes about Texas all the time. If he puts Tony Romo in there right now, President Obama can go give a speech down there, and he won't need his Secret Service because they should go to Jerry Jones. Okay, and I'm telling you right now, that state, that city will erupt. You've got Hall of Fame caliber players, guys who, by the way, are friends with Romo and like him a lot. Like, I know for a fact Aikman has spent time over the years talking, mentoring him when, when asked, and said very complimentary things about Romo. He was just flat out yesterday on the – you know, on the game, if anybody listened, was, hey, listen, they may need Tony Romo at some point this year because God knows it's the NFL. Dak Prescott could get hurt. But you, mm. right now, can't change that chemistry. And he even said, I was never for that as a player at any position. If a, if a mm. starter's hurt, you don't get your job back automatically if the other guy comes in and things are working. That's just the way, mm. you know. It, yeah, it, you got uh, Brett Favre. Brett Favre actually gave Romo the advice you gave in the show, where you where you went into this hypothetical and said, maybe Romo's big enough to go to Jerry Jones and say, I love the Dallas Cowboys so much, Jerry, that you cannot put me back in. Brett Favre basically said, hey, no disrespect, Tony was a great player, maybe still is, but right now he's got to stand down. You know, I, mean, I gotta go. I, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go look up Favre's comments on that. Um, that's pretty yeah. interesting to me. Maybe Tony um, even takes it out of Jerry's hands, you know. Um, just say the injury's not – it's it's not healed, 
I'm not ready to go and just kind of let things be. If you're Tony Romo, Emil, though, put yourself in his shoes. What do you do? I mean, you want to well, play. I'm trying to put you look like you got a special look. football team. I mean, you want to be a part of something. You're five and one. You, this could be your year. You, how long have you waited to be in this position with the Dallas Cowboys? And then um, suddenly, how do you know they're five the and guy? one though with him? You're making a big assumption. I mean, you, you don't. Yeah, but you don't know they're five. If and you're if you're Tony Romo, you feel like you're five and one. If you're Tony Romo, you say to yourself, "We're six and zero oh, because." Um, I win that Giants game at the beginning of the year. So yeah, you know that's a debate. Issue, what do you do? We got a young man who threw his first interception yesterday. And listen, Tony, I've been the first one to defend him and say many of those years the Cowboys lost those games at the end of the season. They shouldn't have even been in them because back in his prime, he masked a lot of issues for the Cowboys when they didn't have these players. But right now, we all know Tony's got a propensity to take more chances. This is not a team that it needs chances to be taken. Offensively, the, the people forget their last three games, they, they, they won without one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Des Bryant. He wasn't even there yesterday. It was like no big deal. And that's <laughs> another thing, too. What happens when he comes back? Um, do things change there? You know, does the dynamic change? I don't think so because you've got to remember, the beauty of Des is, the beauty of Dak is, Dak has not bonded with any of these guys. He just kind of throws the ball to the open guy. You made a point the other day with – guys who were on scout team this mm-hmm. this guy just kind of was a rookie his relationships are just with you know nobody i mean he's friends with everybody they like everybody but but it's not like i threw to des for the last 10 years actually to me that is one of the biggest things that could happen right here is that romo and des have had a bond because of how much they've played together you put him back in there you know a lot of the dynamics of these Cole. Look at Cole Beasley. I'm jumping around here. Look at Cole Beasley. He looks like a poor man's Wes Welker right now. Mm-hmm. How do we know that a guy like Romo doesn't start throwing the ball to Dez and all of a sudden Beasley's production drops? I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, this you, you is going to screw with this. This is going to get. Yeah, you can't. You really can't. It's going to get interesting though, uh, as you start getting late in the season. The Cowboys got trips to Minnesota and then to New York. Um, you know, then you end the season with the Eagles. It's gonna get it's gonna get pretty pretty interesting here. Let um, me ask you something. Forget just throwing the football. I, from my seat as trying to be impartial, what I see the other thing Des does for that team, he makes them so much more difficult to defend because of his legs. He, he's not a runner per se. He's a guy who looks to make plays with his arms. But if you just turn your back on him, he can he can be thirty yards down the field as you're running with the receiver following you. I mean, he's a guy that can – so you play a team like the Vikings who like to get after the quarterback, and if you got guys that don't stay in their lanes and maintain, you know, some integrity in their rush, he can kill them running the football, something that a guy like Romo is just going to go back to his launch point at this point, and, and they're going to try to meet at the quarterback. Yeah, look, we could talk about all the different little facets of this thing here, but neither one of us – um, you know what? Maybe a part of Jerry Jones, maybe he's smarter than all of us. Um, he knows good and damn well that you can't put Tony Romo back in there, but he's saying all the right things in the media. I just don't know how he's going to back away from that if Tony Romo says, hey, I'm good. Well, he did back off back it in. yesterday. He did back off it yesterday. They asked him immediately what, after the game. What exactly that, you know, he said? Well, the rumor is that you know it's not going to be the Eagles game. Supposedly, the Browns game would have been when the actual injury was supposed to be. Basically, if they put him on that short-term IR, he would have came back for the Browns game. So they said, you know, he's getting back into shape. And after the game, they said, well, you know, 
what's the status of Tony Romo? Do you th- you know do you see him going you know back in a starter when he's ready? And Jerry Jones said, uh, it's not something I really want to talk about right now. I mean, I just want to talk about the fact that we just went to Lambeau Field and beat the Packers. So it was kind of elusive, almost like a political answer. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. Obviously, those questions are going to come his way. There's a coach of the Cowboys, right? What's his name again? It's funny how, you know, he's not yeah, out Yeah, you know, that's what, it's funny you now. say that because my wife actually made the same point. It's funny you take my wife sitting there watching the game saying, hey, can I ask a question? Why do they keep asking Jerry Jones this? Wouldn't, wouldn't Garrett have something to say about it? I said, yeah, you would think. Garrett is not a <laughs> puppet, man. He's got a hand up his rear end, uh, and it's Jerry's hand. <laughs> <laughs> With well, that, you know, man, let's uh, let's yeah. let's jump into a break. We're gonna come back, talk a little college football. We'll probably we may revisit this in our NFL segment at the end of the hour. Um, but it's time to jump into a break. When we get back, what the hell went on in college football this weekend? We need to talk about it. We'll be back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. <laughs> Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiation and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP property management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. WrestleMania 3 at the Silver Dome in Pontiac, Michigan. It's a day that I'm certain my guests at this time will not forget. I'm talking about the former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man Randy. Nothing. Nothing. 
Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top for you. Yeah. Cream. It's Amo Calamino. It's Chad Wilson. We're rising to the top here on a Monday talking college and NFL football because it all went down this weekend. Uh, we did our we talked about the Cowboys, but let's jump into some college football here this weekend. Interesting things went on. Um, let's start off in the SEC. We always save them for last, but let's just jump right into the SEC. Uh, biggest thing that went down this weekend in the SEC, obviously, was a matchup between Alabama and Tennessee and Amel. Tennessee finally ran out of gas. They just couldn't. They just couldn't keep coming from behind. Um, and you know, when you get to the end of a trip, and you—I don't know—you played video games when you were a kid, and you know the way most video games were set up is you have—you're the hero, and you're going to battle all the bad guys, and then you've got a—you know—an easy bad guy in the beginning, and then there's a medium bad guy, and then at the end, it's the big boss. And you're mentally fried, but you got to take on the big boss at the end, and he has every weapon known to man, and you got to somehow summon up all the energy and skill to, to take him on. And Tennessee really went in there um, completely gassed, and the big boss man laid the smack down, and they got to well, go put him I don't in want to give them that, that much of an excuse, though, Chad. I mean, I, I think this was really a game of just that as I watched it, I was shocked. I mean,. Uh, I'm not sure who beats Alabama. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, they ran the ball for 438 yards. It's almost that 10 yards a carry. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They almost got 10 yards a carry. I, I hate to because rightfully so when I say this, the, the kids should be scared. But that quarterback for Tennessee just had the look of fear in his eyes. I yeah, mean, well, they came did. after him. They got to him, and he'd yeah. been able – listen, he'd been under pressure in basically all of the games that he played. Um, he just seemed to be able to get out of those jams, either you know slip some tackles and put a ball downfield or slip a tackle and run um, for you know, 15, 20-yard gain and keep things going for Tennessee. That wasn't happening. Um, and, you know, you got to give – obviously, you got to give credit to Nick Saban and the staff over there for looking at the way – uh, Dobbs had been successful in the previous three games against, you know, Georgia, Florida, and Texas A&M, and putting together a game plan. The way they rushed him, uh, it's it seemed like part of a game plan to not let him get out and get going, and to find oh no, it was definitely space. it was definitely keep him between the tackles and you know make him either try to run up the middle or make plays it, with his arm because they were not going to just let him you know get loose on the outside. Um, I, I, I'm gonna. I guess next week is the, the you know the last great hope for Alabama to lose any game in the regular season when they're home. I just I don't see how that happens against Texas A&M. Um, so uh, so you, I mean you're just giving LSU no shot at home against Alabama in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, they got, I, I I give them none, zero zilch, none. <laughs> well, um, listen, Alabama's putting up points, my friend. Forty-nine this week, forty-nine last week, uh, forty-eight a couple of weeks ago, forty-eight the week before that. They scored a defensive USC. touchdown now in like nine or ten straight games. They've got what do they have? Uh, nine of them, eleven, something like that. It's amazing. Something they're like just, that. Uh, they're rolling along. What could possibly go wrong for Alabama? I'm not sure. 
I don't know what is Tennessee, Emil. I mean, let's sit here and look at this. Um, yeah, all right, you took it on the chin from Alabama, the best team in the country. Against Texas A&M, you found yourself down again, and it seemed on the spirit, the ghost, the rabbit foot, the you know the lucky leaf clover. You stayed in the game. You kept coming back. You took a loss. Against Georgia, a team who just lost to Vanderbilt, you were down severely um, and fueled by the the power of your confidence from uh, on coming from behind on Florida. You got back in the game. You threw yourself a Hail Mary, and you beat a Georgia team who, again, Lost to Vanderbilt doesn't look to be all that great. The Georgia game I'll give them a pass on because it was after Florida. I was impressed they were able to win the game. And, frankly, Georgia got as lucky to have the lead as Tennessee did to win the game because Georgia threw a Hail Mary before that. So, Sure, but I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you again. I hear what you said. I'm going to remind you again that Georgia struggled to beat Missouri. um, I know. Lost to Vanderbilt. And then the week before you played Florida, you were dominated for one half of that football game. And then at home, in your place, you got yourself some momentum. You went on a ridiculous run, and you won a football game. Here we are. uh, What are we, eight weeks into the season? I still don't – I'm not sure what Tennessee is. Well, I I, kind of know what they are in my mind. They're a team who's got some talent that's sloppy. If you watch most of their games, even the games they win, they're not crisp. Um, You know, they they had to come back against Appalachian State. They struggled against Ohio. I'm still not convinced a healthy Del. If if Del Rio is not rusty and he's healthy, I don't think they're a better team than Florida on neutral field. I really don't. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, and we're going to find out. Now, you know, I think most Tennessee fans uh, and people, folks in the media, feel like, all right, Tennessee's winning out from here. They're at South Carolina, who's struggling. Tennessee Tech, we know what that's all about. Um, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt. Look, if they're not together mentally, you know, that South Carolina that South Carolina game might not be as easy as people think. And you know what? On the heels of what Vanderbilt was able to do today and the, this weekend and the confidence they gained, that game's in Nashville. And, you know, it's, it's not as easy as people think it's going to be. Uh, that's just my thought on it. No, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt might be a, a they really just tough beat football. Georgia this weekend. I mean, they beat Georgia. At Georgia, right? So Yeah, and for teams like that, um, all they need is a little confidence to get rolling or to give, you know, someone like a Tennessee a very, very hard time. So, you know, we're going to learn. I think we're going to – it's it's funny. We just went through this gauntlet of games for, for Tennessee. But I think we're going to really find out what Tennessee is here in the next three, four weeks. I think that's really how that's going to go. So, Alabama, everyone – um, in consensus here, Alabama's the number one team in the nation. Um, it, you know, we talked about it, Vanderbilt and Georgia. What, what to make of Kirby? Is this just Kirby Smart feeling his way out as a, as a brand-new head coach, or is there something deeper going on in Georgia? No. I mean, I just think he's got a young team, and he's got a young quarterback. I mean, he's playing with, I mean, he's playing with you know, when you're handicapped at the quarterback position, which when a kid's this young and inexperienced, you kind of are in the SEC, you, you know, unless you got a really special player. Um, I think he's just feeling his way through, and Georgia fans are going to have to be patient this year. I'm surprised, though, at their inability to run the football. Um, you got Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, two of the most talented backs, not only in the SEC but in the country. When you look at a game against Vanderbilt, 16 carries for 40 yards for Nick Chubb, uh, you know, you just don't see that. Um, and then Michelle, 13 carries for 28 yards. And this is not something new. Georgia's not been able to run the ball the way they've run it in years past. And you have, you still have two of the best backs in college football. That's true. But, you know, 
it's cliche, and we've but we've said it here on this show, and I'm, I'm sure people have heard it on many other places where people analyze football. These people who pay attention. I mean, it all starts up front. I mean, I don't care how good the back is. The back, the back makes that better. I mean, if you get a great back behind a good or great offensive line, good, you know, wonderful things happen. But I don't care how good the back is. It's very hard to to get going when you're, you know, if you're not opening holes. Just what if the folks matter. in Athens, Georgia, uh, miss Mark Richt? I mean, they wanted him out of there. He's gone. Do they miss him? I'd love to know um, if that is the case, and I'd love to know what the buzz is there locally. There well, be Athens. careful you what know, you wish for, right? I guess that's the old uh, adage. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Sliding out to the Pac-10. Well, how much trouble is Notre Wait, Dame stop, in? How much- stop. What did you just say? Stop. Pack where? What we- what, what, How many what teams are in that conference? It's the Pac-12. I'm, listen, I'm 44 years old. You're going to have to allow for slips like that. And if I say the Big Eight, you know, just give me a pass. Might be a flashback to the 80s for me. But nevertheless, the Pac-12. Sorry, <laughs> everybody. In the Pac-12 this weekend, how much trouble is Notre Dame in? How much trouble is Brian Kelly in in Notre Dame? Is this something, you know, listen, when I've seen this before, you know, give me credit for being around. Something tells me Brian Kelly's got something going on with thinking about being somewhere else. I just have that feeling. It certainly looks like they're not prepared. I mean, it's very odd. The games that they play well offensively, they're horrible on defense. The last two weeks, they've been pretty good. Not one game was in a hurricane, but, you know, they lost 10-3 to NC State. And this week they go out and they put up only 10 points against Stanford. And, uh, you know, it just seems like you're right. Like something's not quite right there. Yeah, I think um, uh, he may have his mind on, on another job somewhere. As it stands right now, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish have two wins, Emil. One is against Syracuse. The other is against Nevada. I mean, it's bad. Oh, no, it's it's dreadful. I mean, this is this is something that I I feel foolish for thinking. I mean, I, I had them in the in the playoff. I don't know. Maybe I was drinking that morning. I don't know. Because oh, this is about as wrong as I've been about a college football team in in years. And I'm I'm telling you not to sound. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for here, but not to sound like um, someone who's making excuses. But usually, when I'm this far off on what a team's going to be in a season, there's some underlying factor. Um, the only other time I think I was this wrong was Florida State going into their 2000, and I want to say what we, the year they won the championship. Yeah. I thought I had a five-loss football team, and some dude named Jameis was there. Um, I, something's going on at Notre Dame. And it's not something well, that we can see on the What's scary is if you, were, if you were Notre Dame looking at the first seven games, right, if you were doing this beginning of the season, okay, you're definitely in pen writing wins on your little schedule next to Nevada, Duke, Syracuse, and NC State. So you figure, you know, at this point, minimum you have four wins if you're a Notre Dame fan because then, you, have, you know, you leave Texas, Michigan State, and Stanford up in the air. They're 2-5, and five, and the rest of their schedule, I mean, they have Miami in two weeks. they got a bye week. Uh, you know, I expect Miami with Rick to rebound from, you know, the last couple games get themselves right. That's that's anything but an easy win, even if it's at Notre Dame. They have Navy on a neutral field. That's not a, an easy win. Army, I'll give them a win there. They're playing Virginia Tech. That's certainly not a gimme. And then they're at USC. And the way USC is playing right now, USC might hang 50 on them. 
Yeah, um, this could get really ugly here, man. This could get super, super ugly. And, you know, guys are going to start shutting down if they haven't already. You know, so this is going to be interesting to watch. Notre Dame, Amel, they're not making a bowl game, my friend. I don't they won't. They even, they even if they got one, you know those snobs. They'll turn it down if they're six and six. So yeah, I, they're they're not. Notre Dame's not going to be bowl eligible. No, they're beat not. Miami or USC off the top, and Virginia Tech. If you know, if if Saturday was just an anomaly, and they're more about what they've been the last few weeks than Saturday, they're not beating those guys. These guys are going to end up with four wins to end the season. Does Brian Kelly keep his job? Forget about if he's looking somewhere else. Do they keep him at Notre Dame if they end up with a with a season like that? Well, I would think you know I don't. Neither of us know the internal workings at Notre Dame. I would think he'd have something in the bank for what he's done to date for the program, bringing them back to relevance, having them in that national championship game against Alabama a few years ago. This is one hell of a uh, withdrawal though from the bank one he, hell of a withdrawal to, it, it's to a big this. withdrawal but i would think he'd at least have another year if he wants it the question you know i, I the, the question becomes like, let me bounce it back to you this is a question you always ask ask people who call the show or even me if i go on one of these tangents about a coaching change where mm-hmm. do you go from brian kelly and that's I don't not know where you go from for everybody I, that Notre Dame. Yeah, I, very, very true. I don't know where you go from there. I know this though. I'm going to really pay attention to how the final games of this season are played, um, and not just to the result, just what I see happening on the field, because you got to know if Brian Kelly's into it. Number one. Number two. You got to know if he's lost his team, because do you continue on with something like that? Do you want to kick off next season with? either A, a coach who's thinking of something else, or a team that's just not into whatever he's putting down anymore. So um, I, where do you go from there? I, I, you, I have no idea. Things are hard for Notre Dame. It's a different world than back in the 80s and uh, early 90s when Notre Dame was super relevant. Things have changed, and I guess Well, and they, they also kind of want to play in. both sides of the fence. I mean, they have that huge contract from NBC, so they have no incentive to go and get themselves in a conference and start splitting that money up. They don't need the bowl game like other teams because other teams, mm-hmm. you know, they get the conference bowl money. If you get a bunch of teams in good bowls, you're getting a nice check every year. They get their check from NBC, so they've got no incentive to get in a conference, yet they kind of want to pretend – they're in the ACC, which is what they play all their other sports in. So they've got this schedule littered with ACC teams all over it to try to pretend they're part of it, but they're not part of it. You know, they're they're in this like almost pregnant phase. Yeah, uh, and while they have advantages, though, you need the bowl game, though you need the practices, um, and you need it for recruiting purposes. But I get what you're saying financially. So I don't know. Notre Dame, all eyes on Notre Dame as they close out this season. Amel, I posted this on Twitter. Uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, as I went and looked at this, you know, I I knew it was going on, but to just see it in front of you just really opens up your eyes. The Pacific 12 standings in the north, first place, Washington, second place, Washington State. Um, At the bottom of the north standings is Oregon. Uh, In the south, first place, Utah, second place, Colorado. Um, the final two guys in the standings, UCLA and Arizona. Like, Whose Pac-12 is this? Who did this? the Pac-12, like if you fell off your motorcycle three years ago and then woke up today and looked at this, you'd swear you're still concussed or still in your coma. Like what is this we're looking at here? 
Who are these teams? Well, I agree. I agree right now, and I don't think that North is going to change very much. As a, you know, Washington, as I said to you a couple of weeks ago, they're they're for real. Okay, um, I suspect the South will shift a little bit, and and that'll end up coming down to Utah or USC. Uh, Colorado, if you go check their schedule, they've got some tests out there. They're they're definitely improved, no doubt about that. By a, no oh, question, very much yeah. improved. No question, but I have a feeling the South will get more to norm, but the North is going to stay the way it is. I see those two teams, uh, Washington State and Washington, uh, continuing their winning ways this season. Yeah. uh, Be interesting to see how this ends up, but that's a strange look of the uh, Pacific 12 standings. Hey, I'm still lamenting my Trojans. I'm still lamenting that fourth quarter meltdown Yeah, this is the part where I give you a chance to talk about these guys. Uh, 48-14, before we get in and sing the praises of, uh, of of Troy, Rich Rodriguez, this might be it for him. Oh, now, I think see, it is. This, this is an example, okay, right here, what I was talking about with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. It was clear to me, Emil, I don't know clear to how many other people, that Rich Rodriguez was not into Arizona last year. However, and, and he did throw some feelers out for other jobs. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact um, he wanted the Miami job. Didn't get it. Comes back another year, not into the places he's at, and and this is what you get as a result. So, you know, this this is, you know, right now they're a two-and-five football team. They're not going to be bowl eligible. What do you do with this guy? Well, I think this is it for him. You know, either he walks away or they help him walk away because that, that program's trajectory just – Forgetting wins and losses, just the way they look when they win or lose is just not headed in the right direction. And I'm not just basing that off one week. I'm looking at the totality of this season. There's nothing there that tells me that, that Arizona's headed, headed in the right direction. You, you look at games they won. I believe early in the year they played, I think it was Texas-San Antonio, right? Or mm-hmm. Grambling. That their wins are against Grambling and Hawaii. Grambling yeah, and Hawaii. not a good look. But, Emil, this is back-to-back clunkers for Rich Rodriguez. So what's his value on the coaching market right now if he is indeed let go at Arizona? I mean, where, do you, where does Rich Rodriguez He'd probably Rodriguez have to land? go back, Chad. He'd probably have to go backwards, and that, that may not be something he likes. He may need to go to one of those American conference teams who loses a coach, the American so let Athletic. Me ask you, okay, here's, let's throw this scenario out. Uh, let's say Houston loses their guy. Do you put a Rich Rodriguez there? He might be good out of Houston, where in that recruiting area, he can get the kind of dynamic athlete at quarterback that he so sorely needs to run his offense. I think that's been the biggest problem for him. He's not had a Pat White. He can't find Pat White in Arizona. Or and in the, you know, I think he's in a tough conference, even if he gets his offense, because they just have a lot of, a lot of teams that run, you know, all different kinds of offenses. There are some teams run offenses similar to that. You've got you got a lot of athletes, you know, that can that can play with that offense that are used to seeing it. I just think he's in a tough spot recruiting wise. Arizona. I mean, they're they're second in their own state usually to Arizona State, and then they deal with you know USC and UCLA coming over and picking off some of the better players in the state all the time. It's just tough. It's a tough spot to be in. I I think. But what do you think about him? You know, landing at landing at a Houston. Um, what, what do you think of of that? Well, I idea? could see him there. I could I could definitely see a guy like that. Him. There. He's not a horrible football coach. I mean, he's he's had good teams at Arizona. He's had good teams at West Virginia. 
uh, Michigan was not memorable for him, and I think that was always a bad fit. Um, I could see him easily at a, at a school like a Houston getting the right players. Um, yeah, I mean that 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 that's yeah, I, a nice because I don't think Emil, I don't think Tom Herman's staying in Houston. He's realized what I kind of discussed going into the season that you can't make that Greg Schiano mistake where things are really good at this place and I don't have that many eyeballs on me and when I win everyone seems to be super happy about it so I'll build a dynasty here and I'll you know I'll we'll we'll, we'll win a championship here he's realizing and I heard him um in an interview this weekend as I was driving up the road where he said this if I'm at Ohio State I cannot play my best game. I can be off and still win by, you know, 20, 21 points. That can happen. If I have an off day at Houston, we're losing. And that, I'm sure, is weighing on his mind. So, you know, one of these job offers come his way. I think he's out of there. He's got to do it for his career trajectory. He can't stay there and be a sitting duck at Houston and have things reverse on him. And now where it was, you're doing great at Houston is – you're not winning it at, at Houston? How are we going to hand you one of these And there's another jobs? thing. If Ohio State has an off day early in the season and they're on the road and they lose a three-point game to Minnesota, even if in, even if in reality Minnesota is not better than, say, a Navy, because Minnesota is in the Big Ten and the name cachet of that, Ohio State is forgiven, and, all, and by the end of the year, if they go 11-1, and one, they're back in the top four teams in the country. If you're sure. at Houston and you go 11-1 and one and you lose to Navy, while Navy may be better, in my example, than Minnesota, it doesn't matter. You're not getting back into the top four at Houston. Your schedule won't allow it. Yeah, um, and, and, and so I believe Herman's out. And, you know, so there's a job. We're doing job. We're job hunting here. All right? You know, this should be um, – this segment should be – Yeah, coaches probably love guys like us sitting here and uh, figuring out <laughs> – you know, we're going to do the whole fired. shuffle, and it's going to be fun as yeah. the year comes on. There'll be a number of jobs open, um, and we'll talk about when we get to the NFL segment about one coach that needs to hop right back into. I don't care what the situation. Get yourself back into college football, but nevertheless, yeah, I think Herman's going to leave Houston, and why not Rich Rodriguez? Um, there's a guy. All right, so I've already hooked. And I know a guy who won't be leaving the Pac-12 if things keep going. He finally got that ship right. You hit it before. Is my guy Clay Helton? He seems to be showing himself to be a competent football coach after that really how about difficult that? schedule. You know, how about that whole thing? And, uh, you know, Sam Darnold, a guy I'm going to give you credit for, you said should be the guy at quarterback. I said that before the – tell the folks. You I did. said that. I texted Long you early. that before the Alabama before game. Before the first I game, said, I want to say. Before yeah. the first game, yeah. you were on yeah. that. And looks to be the goods. 20 of 32, 235, five touchdowns. Um, should they have been running the ball a little better? I don't know. Let's Let, let me – well, Justin Davis is out for a couple of weeks with a high ankle sprain. Um, they did run the ball for 320 yards uh, on Saturday. Uh, I'm lamenting as a fan that blown fourth quarter lead at Utah, Darnold's first game as a starting quarterback in college football was a road game at Utah. USC had a game. The game, for me as a fan, felt like they were going to win it. They were up 10 going into the fourth quarter. They looked good, and uh, the offense kind of shut down. The defense got worn down, and they lost by four. And, uh, that may cost them that south because I look at the rest of their schedule. I see them losing only one more game, and that's at Washington. I think they'll end up eight and four. Yeah, well, um, USC has got things going, and you know the the best thing for them would be to close this thing out 
uh, strong, given the way the season started. Uh, it's Big Ten time, and Emil, I, well, you know, I'm going to oh, thump yeah. my chest. I'm going to thump my chest when I, you know, I know I'm right. I spoke to someone um, very close to the Michigan program. I'm not going to tell you if it's player, coach, administrator, etc. However, mm-hmm. um, definitely confirmed my theory on um, Jim Harbaugh's approach last week to the Rutgers game, and it absolutely 100% was. Well, Ohio State beat these guys 58 nothing. We need to go ahead and up one up on that. That's how that guy works. He's that competitive, and uh, that was the whole mindset going into the game last week against Rutgers, and that was confirmed uh, by this source close to the program. That you know that was said. But let's talk about the action that went down. Um, actually on the field this weekend, were you surprised? I, I guess you'd have to be if I remember your thoughts on this game when we were doing predictions on uh, Friday. Uh, you, you're surprised by the Ohio State-Wisconsin result and that the game needed to go to overtime. Very much so. A matter of fact, so much so that on a neutral field watching Ohio State struggle early against Wisconsin's defense, and by the way, I know Wisconsin's got a good defense, but the athletes Ohio State brings, I expected them to figure it out in shorter order. Um, I, I just can't see them being a Bama this year on a neutral field. They're young. I mean, Ohio State. I don't know, Amel, really I mean, is, is there something to be said though for what Wisconsin had been through leading up to this game, as opposed to what Ohio State had been through? I mean, the only game Ohio State really could get any butterflies in their stomach was when they were going into the Oklahoma game, and that turned out to be a laugher. Right. Oklahoma is no, exactly. No, there's something to be. I think you're right. There's something to be said so, for that. But Wisconsin, I didn't realize there. just. I didn't realize how young Ohio State is, though. Man, I'm watching that game. They're young. Wow. Young, yeah. young, young. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it only, it only makes you afraid of the future if you're not, you know, if you're someone that has to deal with Ohio State coming down the road that they could be playing this well. And uh, you're going to see a lot of these guys for the that next two, three Michigan years. That game against Michigan is going to be must-see TV. I mean, that that, oh, that game – yeah, Michigan, no, no doubt about it. And kudos to the Big Ten. And this just, you know, really highlights something that I heard Cowherd say on his shows that college football is about the coaching. And remember when everyone was down on the Big Ten and they were going to bowl games and losing, and people were really getting down on the Big Ten conference. And all it took was got yourself a couple big name coaches into the conference, and everything has changed. And the Big Ten is right up there uh, with the SEC this year as being, you know, the best. Well, wait, let's conference. clarify. You said it's about the coaching. I will, Can I add to that? I think what, what I'd like to say is college football, just like college basketball, is about the head coach. In other words, he is the son, and everything revolves around him, okay? Right, And if exactly. you got a head coach that burns like that, it doesn't matter what assistants come and go, they'll figure it out. The NFL is about the coaching, but I've always believed the NFL is about the staff you assemble. And case in point, your joke before about Jerry Jones with his, his uh, with his hand up Garrett's ass as a puppet. Mm-hmm. I think Garrett mm-hmm. is a competent NFL head coach, but the Cowboys have a hell of a staff. If you really look at the assistants right. in Dallas, overall it's a really strong staff. Unfortunately, Jerry Jones medals. Where I'm going with this is I don't think the NFL, other than a Belichick, and a few other select guys, Pete Carroll, is as much about who the head guy is as who the head guy assembles as a team. That's where I think the NFL is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, 
and and so you know that thing's come back to life with the addition of Urban Meyer and, and you know Jim Harbaugh, and and so Big Ten football is you know, as you said, must see TV. Emil, what the heck happened in East Lansing? How does Northwestern come into East Lansing and yeah, listen? Okay, you upset Michigan State. Northwestern has one of those in them every year, but 54 points, Emil, on Michigan State. Am I am I going nuts here? But is Mark D'Antonio about to turn into Kirk Ferentz? Is that where he's headed? Well, or am I just, I just, I I'm just a think it's an odd year. It's just a down year. I think it's a down year. For, we've had quite a few. Listen to the tone of this show as we've gone through college football. Programs that have traditionally been better programs the last five, ten years are down. Michigan State's two and four. Notre Dame's two and five. What's what's Oregon? Two and four or something like that? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just one of those years. It happens from time to time. I, I'm not I'm not ready to worry too much about Michigan State's long term. I think they were just due for this. We've talked about their recruiting. They don't traditionally get one of the But Emil, is Michigan classes. State not the is, is Michigan State not the Big Ten's Oregon? I mean look at what's happened in this conference. Michigan State was eating and thriving when there was no Urban Meyer and there was no Jim Harbaugh. Now, yeah, I know Michigan State came up with the conference championship last year, but you know we're early into the career of Urban and and Harbaugh. But now these guys are there; they're entrenched. They've had a couple recruiting cycles. Does this push Michigan State back in this conference for some significant period of time? And does this no? Because I've got good news for them. I've got good news for them, and this is how we tie things together here on the Gridiron Stud Show. And we'll get to this in the next segment, but. Anybody who watched a Sunday night game, watch the Colts melt down. Chuck Pagano is not long for the NFL world. Trust me on that. Mm-hmm. There's a guy mm-hmm. that plays quarterback for Chuck Pagano that played for Jim Harbaugh, coincidentally, at Stanford. Jim Harbaugh, mm-hmm. coincidentally, used to quarterback the Colts. Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh doesn't go to Thanksgiving and Christmas affairs at the house and not be jealous of his brother's Super Bowl title. We know how competitive very he is. Very true, very true, very true. I see Jim Harbaugh hopping very quickly he's a smart guy he went through the deal in san francisco he fixed that franchise without really having a stud at quarterback he made do with alex smith for quite a while he understands in the nfl no quarterback no chance he's going to take the job when when there's a, a franchise quarterback that's relatively young and the colts fit that scenario and i really 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 have a hard time not picturing him back in that job as soon as next year. I really do. Does Jim Harbaugh leave Michigan without having gotten into the playoffs, win a championship, whatever? Uh, can he do sure, that? Sure, he left Stanford. <laughs> Why not? He did do that. He did do that. Um, but it's his alma mater. Does he care, does he care that much or no? No, because he fixed it. He can't. Nobody at Michigan can ever complain. When he leaves Michigan, and what is he there? Is this his third year? In the three yeah. years he's been at Michigan, you look at those three years compared to the three or four previous years, and you tell me that, that you can complain that he didn't leave you on very solid footing, that if you can just be smart and pick a decent head coach, you know, and there's enough of them out there. You mentioned the guy from Houston, Herman. There's guys out there that you can't continue what he's doing there. Stanford did. By and large, I mean, they're a little bit weaker this year, but David Shaw kept it going. Do you bring David Shaw to Michigan if Harbaugh leaves? 
Well, if you're David Shaw, do you really want to leave Stanford? Right now you're in a place, right? It's beautiful, nice school, beautiful way to live. You're making good money. The pressure is not as high at Stanford. I mean, they've had five or six really good years in a row where people think, you know, nationally we've we've elevated their status. But generally speaking, at Stanford they understand that they're going to have little spurts of six, seven years where they're very good, and then they're going to go back to being mediocre for, for, for ten years at a time. That's what they've come to expect at Stanford. It's not like they've been – Texas or Florida or Alabama or USC. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just running through the you know, catalog of names uh, for Michigan. Well, and, I'm asking you, would you leave, I wouldn't leave Stanford if I'm David Shaw. I don't well, know. Why? I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe fear of um, Stanford becoming stagnant. You know what I mean? But nevertheless, yeah, there's not as much pressure there. So if they do be turned into an 8-4 and four annual team, he could still be all right, still collect his checks, still be uh, maintain a certain level of respect. Um, but – Yep. You know, when going back to this Harbaugh at the Colts thing, the fact, too, that the AFC South is so abysmal also has to be attractive. Extremely oh. attractive. Oh, my God. You put Harbaugh with the Colts with luck, and he the first thing he'd do there, guaranteed, within two years he'd fix their offensive and defensive lines, which are absolutely atrocious. Okay? He would mm-hmm. fix that quickly, and he'd have a stud quarterback. Could you imagine him? He gets – Five or six wins guaranteed almost every year once he has a decent team. He's playing Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Houston six games a year total. Yeah, that's starting to look real good. You might have you might have you might have jumped on one there, Emil. This that's starting to look real good for him. I'm almost ready to tell him, you know. Hey Jim, why don't you call him? Say hey, yeah, this is. I want to just call you. This is uh, Chad Wilson. I want to give you a little career advice. You think Jim Harbaugh has a cell phone? He just would strike me as the kind of guy who wouldn't have one. I'm not sure he has a TV. <laughs> uh, by the odd. way, you know, by, well, I don't know if you heard this story. I don't know if our listeners out there also heard this story. When they beat, prior to, to going and playing Rutgers last week, um, the local Ruth Chris Steakhouse in Ann Arbor um, had a deal going where by each point that Michigan beats Rutgers, You'd have you could get a per, that amount of the percentage point off of your. I don't know if I explained that right, but let's say if off your bill, if Michigan, so if they beat them by thirty, yeah, you get thirty percent off. Exactly. So what's Jim do? Goes up, runs up seventy-eight points. Now it's seventy-eight percent off for everyone that comes to Ruth Chris. Uh, they ended up having to backtrack a bit on that deal, and they capped it at fifty percent. Nevertheless, uh, they worked Harbaugh for free goes, that day. In other words, they worked. They, they yeah, had a free day of cooking at Fire Ruth staff. Chris, right? You know what I mean? No one washed dishes. They told those people stay home. Nevertheless, hey, before um, you Harbaugh, leave the Big Ten, can I bring up what? what no, wait, I'm not done here. Harbaugh. Okay, Harbaugh I maybe goes you're in Harbaugh. There. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Harbaugh yeah. goes in there because he's going to go get his meal with the percentage off. All right, this is a guy that gets his coaching pants from Walmart. He's that guy. Goes in there, orders um, the best steak on the menu. You know what he has with it? A what? glass of milk. Guy ordered a glass <laughs> of milk with his. You're steak. kidding me. He actually not, ordered not, a glass of milk. Not something in a from the Napa. Fruit. Not something from the Napa Valley. Didn't even go so far as to get a Coke. He ordered a glass of milk, my friend. So when I say this guy might not have a cell phone, I might not be way off on something like that. That's your Jim Harbaugh story. Um, here oh on man! Yeah, that's oh, that guy. A glass of milk. That's awesome. That is. We awesome. got to round this thing up with the ACC, and that involves the oh, local okay. team. That involves the local team. But before I get gotcha. to that. 
Clemson and NC State, they go to overtime. What's the deal with Clemson? What's going on there? I mean, two things here. Louisville and Clemson just um, – they didn't look good this weekend. I mean, what's – are they – you know, is Louisville hung over? And then I don't understand Clemson's deal. They may really legitimately be bored, Emil. Cool. Clemson? Clemson. I mean, they're back to – Well, first of all, if they're bored, they better – the only reason that they're undefeated is the kid from NC State, that poor kicker, he's not on scholarship this morning if I'm – I mean, he was one of four. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, but I mean, the yeah, kick was listen, a 33 as a coach, you have yarder. to know what you got there. As a coach, you have to know what you got there. I mean, stop having that kid troll out there and and, and, and miss – these damn oh, I blame the NC State coach. He he should have known his kicker at, at one for three. You've got to try to either end that game with a touchdown or put the kid so close to the field. It has to be an extra point. You've got to know what you got in that kid. Yeah, um, and and they they and everyone else found out, but nevertheless, they ended up you know losing the football game. But you know, once again, another clunker performance from Clemson. Louisville had all types of trouble with Duke. On Friday night, uh, Florida State got the win, but not the kind of game you expected them to play. Um, only winning 17 to six over Wake Forest. You know they had a problem defensively early on in the year. Now offensively, they can't get it together. I don't, you know, I don't know where they're going. But the biggest thing to talk about here, um, also, you know, Syracuse beats Virginia Tech. Uh, apparently, Virginia Tech thinking ahead to the the Miami game they have here on Thursday coming up, but. I knew this was going to be a tough game for him, Emil, and it sure enough turned out to be that way. North Carolina got embarrassed last week. Miami uh, a little bit down after losing to the rival, and that's been the case even you know over the last few years in the Al Golden era, just not been able to get it together after losing the Florida State. And uh, once again, we see it play out. And the hard thing here, Emil, is you, now you've lost to North Carolina 20-13. to you got to have a short week of practice and get on a plane and go play um, Virginia Tech, who just lost to Syracuse on a Thursday night in Blacksburg. That might well, be the hardest of these three games at this point. One of the things that is a maturity thing, especially in college football, I think NFL teams are better because they realize you're not going through an NFL season undefeated, so defeat is something you're going to have to deal with in the NFL and adversity. But in college, I think kids have a real hard time with that first loss because of the way the college game is set up where you basically can only lose a game. And, you know, every kid thinks at a big school like Miami that we're going to be playing for the championship this year. And I think that as a program matures and and Rick puts his stamp on that program, they'll get better at handling those, you know, losses so they don't turn into two and three losses. I mean, there's, you know, you lost a one-point game to Florida State, big deal, go win the rest of your games. You still have a great season, you know, but they, you know, I think they let that carry over. Like you said, the weather wasn't great. Um, they, they, they struggle offensively against a team that really isn't a very good defensive team, North Carolina. So hopefully, you know, they get themselves right for this Virginia Tech game. Yeah, um, going to be another, going to be another tough one for them there, uh, taking on Virginia Tech, and then. The only blessing is that we get the woeful Notre Dame fighting Irish after this contest. So, you know, a chance to, to get back on the horse in the event that things don't go the way that they want at Virginia uh, in the Virginia Tech contest. So things are going to get a little interesting in this ACC, Amos. We're sitting here looking at the standings, um, you know, in the in the ACC right now. 
Uh, Miami still obviously has a chance in this Coastal, but not a good one um, after losing this game. They sit there with two losses, and you know, I imagine they're going to win the rest of these ACC games, but who knows? You know, things turn a little gray for you. But right now, it's looking like a well, in North sure Carolina. Is that not what we said? North... Or, or did you have Miami? I don't remember what you had at the beginning in of what, the year. In what, that game? I took North Carolina. Okay, so it's looking like a North Carolina-Clemson collision course is North Carolina. Um, well, let's not get ahead seat. of ourselves. I think I think you're out over the skis. I mean, that's a, that Carolina team, while they're a good team, uh, there's probably another loss or two somewhere on that schedule. So, you know, it, it all depends how Miami handles it from here. You know, I mean, they're going to probably have to win out the conference games to, to have a chance, but, I mean, it's doable. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just one of the things we need to pay attention to here. All right, we need to take a quick break. we got to talk some NFL here on the Gridiron Stud Show. So we're going to jump out when we get back. NFL talk here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Sure, summer's gone. Winter's here. But that doesn't mean everyone's putting their T-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, T-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen-printed T-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at T-ShirtSupplies.com. That's T-Shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Eleven eleven here on a Monday on the Gridiron Stud Show. 
Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. Going to slide into some NFL talk now. Just finished wrapping things up with college football. And we'll wrap up our picks, um, if we must, at the uh, end of the show here, at the end of our NFL talk here. But, Emil, we talked uh, at length about the uh, Cowboys and the Packers matchup. Um, But what was the biggest surprise to you yesterday in the NFL? Biggest surprise for me in the NFL yesterday. Hmm. So I'm going to tell you what. Well, was. I mean, let's face it. Your team down there just, you know, I mean, they, they didn't just beat the Steelers. They pretty much dominated them beginning to end. Um, yeah, it shocked me. Definitely shocked yeah, me. Yeah, I was shocked. I didn't I mean, see that one coming, no doubt. Ajay ran the ball for 204 yards yesterday. You know, if you told didn't me. see that. Obviously yeah. didn't see the Pittsburgh offense sputtering like this. Now, if you told me a guy gets 204 yards against the Steelers on Friday's show, I would have sent a breathalyzer over to your house. <laughs> I would have had a cop show up with a breathalyzer so you didn't drive in the afternoon. I mean, there's no way I saw that one coming. Yeah, is this the way for the Dolphins to get themselves back into this season? You know, maybe you ride a, a guy like a guy. You know, you, you get a ground game going. You take some of the pressure off of Tannehill, who people want out of town. Um, you know, he ends up with a decent day, didn't find the end zone, but 24 of 32, 252, didn't hurt the team with any turnovers. Um, and, and the Dolphins control this thing from, 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 from the word go. Steelers were just out. Yeah. I mean, well, that game has two stories for me. I mean, you know, one is obviously the play of the Dolphins shocking after you've watched their last three or four games to think they could do this, you know. The other thing is the Steelers. I mean, what do you make of them? I mean, they, they, you know, this is a team that at any given Sunday could beat a very good team like the Broncos or the Patriots or well, like the Bengals' record doesn't say they're good, but they're a big division rival and they've been good. Um, then they go lose to teams like, you know, the Eagles, who showed you they've been pretty mortal the last couple of weeks. I mean, they throttled the Steelers. Uh, a Dolphin team, you know, beat them up yesterday. I mean, what do you make of the Steelers? I have no idea. This team is so up and down, and um, it's it's tough to figure out what they've got going on. Now, you know, lost in all this is that Ben Roethlisberger is hurt and may miss the New England game uh, with with a meniscus issue. So, you know. Oh, I don't think he plays next week. Yeah, I, I mean, so I don't, I don't, I don't know where you you go with that, but this is uh, yet another time where, you know, they showed up in the Pittsburgh Steelers uniform, but that didn't look like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I don't know what to make of. No, of and if you look like. at that schedule that's upcoming, you know, home with New England bye week, which is when I think you'll you'll get Roethlisberger back then for that Sunday game the following week at Baltimore, and then home with the Cowboys. Uh, that's a uh, quite a test there for the Steelers coming up for the next three weeks. Yeah, no no, no doubt about it. So um, we'll just have to see where they go from here. Uh, you know, I know he's probably out there listening to us, but how about Detroit coming from behind on the Rams? That was a, it was an exciting game if you're, you know, just a casual fan looking at this thing. That thing was up and down. Um Case Keenum throws for 321. Matthew Stafford throws four touchdowns, zero interceptions. And uh, the Rams and the Lions put on a good show for the folks watching at home. 
Yeah, I mean, the Lions, they've been a team all year that every game has seemingly, you know, you look at the Lions' season, they they won a four-point game against the Colts, lost a one-point game they blew against the Titans, lost a seven-point game to the Packers, a three-point game to the Bears, and then the last two weeks a one- and three-point win. They're the cardiac Lions. But, you know, you look at these this next week home, home with Washington, dare I say they could be over 500? How about that? And, you know, um, in that division that they're in, you know, obviously it looks like Minnesota's trying to run away with this thing. But, you know, if you can put something together, second place could be, you know, within your yeah. grasp. And a wild card. You don't know how this thing's going to shake out. This is the NFL. As, as we find out every Sunday, as we, you know, on Mondays we do this show, where there's always teams that you figured there's no way they could lose, and they lose. So, you, you know, when you start projecting your record in the NFL – that's always dangerous because any given Sunday is a true statement. Um, the, the big story for me, more so though, is the Rams in this game. You know, every year we get ahead of ourselves. We 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 start touting, oh maybe this is it. The Rams are off to a three and one start. You know, they finally figured it out. They've got this defense. We keep hearing about the defense. The defense gave up 31 points yesterday, and the Rams are right back where they seem to be every year with Jeff Fisher, three and three. Yeah, I think they uh, they they duped us all there into thinking that they were going to be something that they ended up not being. Just amazing how the Rams can do this to people. But um, you know that's that's what we ended up with in that contest. Shall we talk about Brady and the New England Patriots? I didn't. I tell you I was afraid of that guy. I told you I was afraid of him. Yes. Um, yes. And you told and, me. You warned me. I I did. The guy is possessed. The team is possessed around him, and the Patriots are yeah looking like that team, you know. And I just knew this. Uh, I knew Gronkowski was going off because Martellus Bennett had three touchdowns last week. I'm sure Gronk sent some text messages this week to Tom like, hey, yeah, don't forget who's uh, buttered your bread over the last few years here. So yeah, Brady but I watched large chunks of this game, and something's wrong with the Bengals because they were in this game. I mean, it wasn't like – the game just started and they got killed. It was 10-7 at the half. Uh, I think in the second half they, they either had the lead or they were still within three in the third quarter. Uh, there's just something missing with their offense, and I can't put my finger on it, but it's something's just not right there. Uh, and I don't know if maybe you know Dalton is just going to be one of those guys who perpetually teases fans and is never really the guy. But there's something wrong there. They were in this game, and slowly and surely they just, you know, in the second half stopped making first downs, stopped, you know, moving the football and the pack. You know, the Patriots, you do that against them, and you're going to be on the wrong side of a score by a couple touchdowns, and that's what happened. Yeah, absolutely what what, what took place in that contest. And so, you know, a, a miserable result for Cincinnati, just another team that's fallen uh, to the wrath of, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And, you know, once again, a big statistical game for him. He's going to make up for those four weeks, Emil. He's going to climb himself back <laughs> you into know the top four passers uh, in the AFC. I see it coming. Falcons and Seahawks, strange game. This thing turned into a runaway at one point. 17-3, Seahawks seem to be in control. And then, boom, Falcons offense catches fire in the third quarter, and we got a full-blown ball game. Um, how much of this game did you see? Uh, well, with Dallas playing at the same time, not a ton, but I did get to see the end of it because the Cowboy game had ended early. And, you know, usually uh, while I tend to try to stay away from, from killing officials because I think they miss enough calls both ways, 
there was two, and this is this should be in your wheelhouse as a former defensive back. There was two defensive pass interference calls yesterday. One a non-call, one a call. That I'm trying to figure out honestly if 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 the crew was headed up by Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder. Okay, the, in this game, what's since we're on this game, we'll start with this game. I have no idea how they didn't throw a flag on that last play with Sherman and bracketing him with the other guy on Julio Jones. I got no idea how the flag stays in that guy's pocket. Yeah, well, him. I mean, he no one knows. What, he does, no one, no one knows what pass interference is anymore in this league. Can, can, sure. can you at least admit that that was Pat? Well, I know you're a, a closet Seahawk fan. Although, you know, can you admit? Well, they do tend to that allow that those guys to play physical football up there, and it's a complaint from a lot of people in the league. But you know, they let them play football. Yeah, but I, I do have to admit that's it's pass interference. I'm fine Got with physical with football, but you can't hook the receivers. One arm, so he has to catch the ball one-handed. Yeah, he got away with one. Um, looking at this, though, now are, are, are you prepared to call let me Julio just, Jones? Let me bring up the other call. I'm still trying to figure out where the pass interference call was on Dominic Rogers Cromartie in that Giants game, if you saw that one. Now, the Giants thankfully bailed him out. Beckham went off and saved that, or we'd be talking about that call because it would have cost the Giants a football game. I don't know where that interference was, and if you didn't see it, you should try to find it when you're watching, you know, game highlights I, I, later because it was I awful. I did, so you'd have to tell me what happened in that one. Guy ran basically down. Uh, I want to call call it a post pattern. Cromarty had beautiful position, just knocked the ball away. I'm watching the game live. I'm thinking, nice play. You know, I didn't see anything. All of a sudden, the flag flies. They put the ball on the one yard line. The Ravens take the lead. Even the two announcers. I don't know if the NFL was saying something in the one guy's ear because after they both said where was the call, the one guy's going, oh, I see where he might have had his, his off arm around his hip, and you're sitting there going, what are you talking about? I mean, it was just, you'll see it sometime today if you're watching highlights because they'll show it. It set up a touchdown. It was just one of those calls as an NFL fan where you're just scratching your head saying, can we please get a clear ruling on pass interference? Oh, what we're never going to get that. Don't, don't, don't kid yourself. Don't get yourself worked up for that. We're never going to get that. It's just going to be at the total discretion for people, and it's just uh, amazing, amazing that you know that's that's how things are. But that's you know it's just the way that it is, my friend. And that's well. How back it's to this continue. game. What was your takeaway from this game? I think I think one thing. Uh, last year's Falcons are not this year's Falcons. I don't see this team falling apart like they did last year. I think they have a little bit more toughness um, mentally, um, even defensively where they're not great. I think they, they put up a fight. They don't just let you roll them. And I think their offense, as long as they can keep the main players healthy, I think you know the Falcons are going to be somebody to be dealt with all year. And uh, as far as Seattle, I don't know. What do you think about Seattle? What, what was your takeaway from this game? Um, I think they fell asleep at the wheel. But, uh, you know, like as I was saying, Julio Jones is – uh, he's, he's to me, he's the best wide receiver in the game right now. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. very difficult. He's a tough assignment for anyone that lines up, even bracket coverage. I mean, whatever it is you want to do, he just seems to be getting the job done each and every week. And you know, on the on the on the heels of him, his performance and Matt Ryan's performance, the Falcons work their way back into this thing. And you are correct; they seem to have a lot more fight in them than last year. Maybe there's something that had to be learned last year and uh they they definitely have gone out and improved on on that and and 
Falcons going to be a force to reckon with, especially with Carolina taking a dump all over themselves um, in their division. How about how about those guys falling to the same? Oh, forty-one. Well, I think I think you know to your point. I think sometimes with the NFL, especially the first half of the season, as our friend Sap told us last year, I think you have to spend more time watching how the games are and the reactions than just pure results. Of course, you want wins if you're a fan or a coach, whatever. But you've got to watch. Some sometimes records are deceiving, and and I, you know, like I watch, I watch the Falcons. I think they're for real. Carolina, I'm watching them, and what I see there is, I don't think this is an anomaly. I think that there's, they're just not a good team this year. I mean, defensively, they're atrocious. I mean, I don't know if it's all Josh Norman leaving, but I think he he, he did he did a few things for that defense that they can't replicate. Um, he, he took away the best receiver and allowed them to cover some other weaknesses with double teams. And right now, that pass defense is just horrible. Horrible. Yeah, uh, definitely definitely is right now in Carolina, not going anywhere fast. The last game we need to talk about, uh, Amel, and it was one of my picks. I'll have to touch on this again. Chip Kelly needs to go back to college football. It's got to do it. It's, it's, it. Like Spurrier before him, like Lou Holtz, like, uh, you know, go ahead, just run through the list of guys who came from college trying to do this thing in pro. It's Nick Saban. It's not – this is not where No, he's – and, and you know, I think we can both see that coming. You know, I think we could see a couple a couple role reversals here. I think, you know, Chip maybe headed back to the college ranks, and we talked about earlier, I have a feeling, with Harbaugh coming back to the NFL. So, now, I, I can't I can't imagine the guy having fun right now. <laughs> no, not at all, but uh, uh, according to what uh, I've heard is that he's friendly with, you know, someone high up in the 49ers administration. So, I mean, does he walk out on these guys after one year? Um, I say, yeah, if the proper job comes along, you know, you got to be that kind of guy. You got to have that kind of gumption as a coach in your career that you say, listen, I'm not, you know, if a friendship needs to go down, then it needs to go down, but I'm not uh, going to you know, tank my career by staying somewhere and missing up on a good opportunity. Do you yeah, see him leaving I mean, after they, one year? Gonna ha- you know, he may want to play this one out, though, because they're going to have a top five pick this year, which will give him a chance, most likely, to to, to get a quarterback. So Your offense, Chip Kelly, does not work in the National Football League. What are you going to do? You're going to go get Deshaun Watson and ruin him? You're going to start his career off the wrong way. Is that what you're going to do? Um, and it just doesn't work. This does. This is you have a college football offense, and then nothing wrong with that. Go run it in college football. Win a lot of games. Win some championships. Be the next Nick Saban because Nick is in here forever. Go be that guy. But just stop this charade in the NFL. It's it's got to end. You know, no, there's a listen, blowout. I'm not arguing. I'm with you. I'm not. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate for why he may stay. I just. I bounce. totally agree. Chip. I think. Hey, Chip, bounce. Bounce. More yeah. career advice you, you go. from the Chad Wilson yeah. Council. Thank you. Uh, yeah, if you need me to email that to you, so be it. Bounce, my friend. Um, there was a blowout on Sunday, and it was your fantasy football picks versus mine. An absolute, complete Michigan Jim Harbaugh-esque blowout. I mean, I wasn't even close. Back-to-back weeks, I've totally taken a dump on the bed. But you, my friend, picked three very strong 
uh, picks in your fantasy football focus, sponsored by FanDuel. And so any of the fans who listened and took your advice should, uh, you know, be giving you a digital pat on the back. Let's talk about let's talk about what you did because I'm, mine's not a whole bunch worth talking about. But your well, I went was I went light on quarterback. You know, we play by the rules here. Chad and I created a game where we can spend twenty one thousand on FanDuel salaries. We pick a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. So kind of like what you you guys have to pick bigger rosters. Of course, we try to give you three primary positions and fit them within your salary cap. So. You know, I started off going light on quarterback. I felt the Colts' pass defense was atrocious, and I took Brock Osweiler. And for three quarters, boy, was that a bad pick. But, alas, in the fourth quarter and the second half of it, the Colts looked around and said, we're the Colts, and we don't play defense. Yeah, we're what not are we really doing stopping that. passes here? Yeah. Yes, what are um, we doing wa- covering passes? From, strategically, from a schematic standpoint. So he ended up was, with 269 yards passing and a couple touchdowns. Um, I, well, how many points did he I did? He did. He stopped looking there? at Hopkins every play. That's what happened in, in, in that game. He started realizing, hey, there's some guys out here that can catch the football. So, What did he end up with points-wise by FanDuel 17.36 FanDuel points. I think that alone um, would have damn near gotten you a victory over all three of what I came up with. But let's talk about the big well, one we came up with. There's more. <laughs> we went for a running back. We went for a guy that wasn't costing us a bunch. But, you know, I looked at this game, uh, and I said to myself, Andy Reid off a of bye is something like 15-2 and two going into it as a coach. Mm-hmm. The, the Chiefs season was on the line to some degree. I mean, they couldn't afford to fall two and a half games behind the Raiders. And I felt like they would attack the Raiders running the football because that's kind of what Andy Reid does and the Raiders haven't been into stopping anybody. Jamal mm-hmm. Charles is working back from injury so I said let's grab Spencer Ware who's been having himself a decent year replacing Charles to date and Ware goes tremendous. off for 131 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, tremendous pick for you. 23.3 uh FanDuel points. So right there, you're over 40 points. That's a that's a good day already, but that wasn't even and your then best I pick said to myself I said to myself, if I'm a psychiatrist, I've got to pick a wide receiver because they all need help, okay? And there's mm-hmm. not a wide receiver in the NFL who needs more psychological help than Odell Beckham Jr. And Odell's been fighting with nets and throwing things and getting <laughs> tossed. So I said, at some point, this guy's got to do something on the field to just take the pressure off himself. And Odell went off yesterday for eight catches, 222 yards, and two touchdowns. Basically won the game for the Giants. I mean, short of what was, uh, Julio Jones did, this is about as big as a day you can have for a wide receiver. So he netted you 36.2 points. All be told, 76.86 points. I don't know that you're going to do better than that uh, at any point in the rest of the way this You know, season. the only That's sad thing is really, really high I point. did not have a real game in with FanDuel. <laughs> Yeah, how about that? You should have. You really, really should have. And so let that be a lesson to all of you out there listening. Head over to FanDuel.com right now. Get you say, look, Emil probably cheated himself out of several thousands of dollars this week by not being a FanDuel customer. Don't let that happen to you. And if he's going to bang it out like this every week for you, listen to what he's saying fantasy-wise. Take the players he's recommending and go over to your FanDuel account because if he doesn't want to get the couple thousands of dollars, you can go get them. So head over to FanDuel. And I do take right tips. Now. 
I yeah, do take put in the promo them, code. Them put in the promo code. Put in the promo code. Gridiron Studs. Gridiron Studs is the promo code, and uh, you can get yourself a nice little bonus to get started there. Really quick, here's what I did: Ben Roethlisberger against a woeful Miami Dolphins defense. No brainer. I mean, why not spend the points um, there and the money there with uh, Ben Roethlisberger? Guy has probably, I think, his worst game of the season, 11.6 points. Um, I tried to be Mr. Scout guy and pick a C.J. Spiller, figuring he had somehow figured it because it seems to me every week some guy comes out of the woodwork, some backup off-to-the-side guy goes off every week. I tried to find that guy, C.J. Spiller. No, he was still hidden, still in the bushes. Five points for me there. And then how about Crabtree? Hey, listen, Amari Cooper goes off last week. You figure Amari Cooper might draw some coverage, uh, might leave things open for Crabtree. Maybe he's a, you know, he wants to keep up with his buddy Amari Cooper. Nope. Five, uh, two points from Mr. Crabtree. All be told, 18.6 points. I am now 0-2 in this little uh contest we've got going a fat zero and two and uh with what i gave you there this weekend that was uh you couldn't do anything with that so if you listen to me my apologies. that was that was tough but hey that happens i mean this is not you know if it was that easy everybody'd win everyone would be i mean you're gonna have weeks like that goal. yeah absolutely absolutely all right uh let's talk about our picks real quick uh we'll start off with the college football since uh you know we already hit that segment um, a rare off week for me. I go one and two. Purdue, um, listen, this is how solid that Purdue pick was. They didn't cover the number, and as a result, <laughs> the coach got fired. So, you know, <laughs> they were with me. I think the administration and the AD at Purdue was listening to my show and said, yeah, we got a chance to win this game. We probably should win it. Chad Wilson on the uh, Gridiron Stud Show said, so what? We're losing. I was putting up points like this. Let's get rid of the coach. So the coach gets fired. I lose a pick, and that's the way it should be. You know, when you lose a game for me. Oh, boy, you're you bitter. I can fired. tell. You're, you are bitter. Yeah. You should be fired right there on the spot. You know, so that's how that goes. Arizona State, I put my – I cast my lot on the casino defense, and uh, it, it just got completely – totally annihilated by a Colorado team that's doing things that I can't understand and comprehend. Colorado's coach has got to be up for coach of the year. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing performance. Well, wait, let's do a little, before you go on, let's do a little post-mortem on that pick. When you really look at it, and the more I think about it, because I liked your pick, by the way, mm-hmm. we should have had some line suspicion there. We were catching a bunch of points. What were you getting, like 12 in that game? I didn't get that suspicious because of what Colorado had done uh, the last couple yeah. of weeks. So I wasn't that, you know, I didn't turn my nose up that much at it. But I guess, I guess I should have been a little bit more suspicious as Colorado romps. I mean, romps Arizona State and easily covers that number. So I took a loss there. The lone winner I had was Oregon State. And even that was a struggle because Utah was covering a number late in the game. And Oregon State came up with a little something to uh, back get the back door for me and keep me away from a collar. I go 1 and 2. I'm 11 and 10 on the season. I'll rejoice in that one game over the, you know, Mendoza line. Yeah, well, not me. I was 1 and 2 and dropping my record on the season to 8-12 and a push here in college. My only winner was North Carolina. We talked about that earlier. I felt like they would show some pride, come back and uh you know, at least be within the number they want outright. Uh, the second pick, it, we're going to write a, a creed here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I shall not wager against Nick Saban. I shall not wager against yeah. Nick Saban. Um, yeah, I took Tennessee plus 12 
Yeah, I thought they'd be home and play tough with Alabama. You know, I didn't necessarily think they'd win the game, but I felt they'd they'd be right there, and they got absolutely manhandled. We covered that in the previous segment. And then we go on. uh, I felt my Trojans going on the road, you know, for their first road win would be asked to cover a number of win by double digits, and I thought Arizona, having played tough at home against Washington, could at least do the same against USC and hang within a generous nine-and-a-half-point spot uh, wrong. They lost by 34 points, so I was 1-2 and two as well in college football. That's what you get for picking against you guys there. 1-2, and two, that puts you at where are you at on this? I said eight wins, 12 losses, and I got a little push hanging off on the end. Eight wins, 12 losses. All right. Um, NFL-wise, I got myself back into uh, the winning winning ways. Um, first of all, I, you saw that guy was going off and telling him to go back to the NCAA. There was a little venom there, um, Chip Kelly. I mean, come on, Buffalo, um, two back-to-back big wins for them, and you guys couldn't go in there and get it done. I mean, you took the guy up off his knee, put him in there quarterback, same result, even worse results. Um, it just didn't happen for you. The Bills ran through the 49ers. That was my lone loss on the day. The Cleveland Browns hung around. Tennessee helped them out, kept them within the number, as teams like that often do. So uh, Cleveland not ready to call themselves garbage yet on the season. Helped me out. Cover seven and a, seven and a half for me. And then uh, I took your Cowboys, man. You didn't have faith, but I had the faith in Dak and the boys. And they go in there, and you know what? I dare say they dominated the Green Bay Packers and pick up the win, 2-1, and one, um, eight, nine, and 8-9-1 on the season in the NFL. Looking forward to climbing Yeah, good work there. That, those Mendoza NFL games well. we talk about, they're not easy. Good work. Um, yeah, no doubt. We covered it earlier. Again, I'm going to do another one. Well, I can't do this in the NFL because I might have to do it again. But I'm going to try to not make a habit of going against Brady this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried it with the Bengals. I felt like this is a team that's been to the playoffs the last five years in a row. They're sitting at two and three. They're going to come in here and at least put up a fight. Wrong. Plus nine points. They got beat by 18. That was a loss. My lone winner was what I said. Andy Reid is 15 and two now. 16 and two. There's one for folks to remember next season, God willing. Coming off a bye, Andy Reid as a head coach, 16 and two. Uh, the Chiefs as a one-point favorite beat the Raiders by 16. And finally, the Seahawks, I, I felt good about this pick early. Like you said, 17-3, they're up, I'm laying six. They kind of fell asleep at the switch and then came back for a two-point win, didn't get the cover, I'm one and two, drops me to seven and 11 in the pros. Well, I mean, at least your fantasy football picks were good this week. Uh, that was a bright spot for you. Um, but, hey, there's always that next That sounded week, so pathetic, the way you said that, didn't it? Hey, you listen. You crushed it in Able fantasy. At least right, fantasy football. At least <laughs> the fantasy. You were so great in fantasy. It had to make make up for anything that went on with your picks. You know what I mean? So, um, to find those three guys and roll up seventy six points. I don't think either. I don't know. I'll, I'm gonna obviously have take a shot at it, but um, being able to roll up more than seventy six points out of three guys at some point during the season, we'll have to see if that's ever done again. So, the good, the bad. And the ugly here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Before we head out the door, let's bring Les on real quick. I think he wants to – can you maybe explain what happened in East Lansing? And is Mark D'Antonio going to be the new Kirk Ferentz? Man, what the hell is going on? I mean, Northwestern found some offense against Michigan State. This week, our, our, our defense is not what it used to be. Oh, um, no kidding. No kidding. This is just it's bad. This is bad right now. It's bad, bro. Yeah, but I'd still, I'd say I'm gonna still ride with my dogs though. I'm I'm, I'm gonna stay for green forever. No, no. 
But uh, that was amazing, man. I, you know, another another chance, man. Get blown down the drain. But do you agree hey. with Amel in saying um, you don't think Ohio State could beat Alabama on a neutral field? Let's say. No. Well, there you go. That short and succinct answer there. Uh, no, so you I guess, no, they can't, or no, or no, you don't agree with me. I don't think I, I. I mean, Ohio State hasn't shown me anything to show me that they're the that they should be the number one ranked team in the country. Um, for what Alabama did last week, going into Tennessee and just you know manhandling Tennessee, they got a big game against uh, Texas A&M. They was making a statement. Um, that's a hard team to defeat when they can go three deep with backs and receivers and still beat the hell out of you. Yeah, no question about it. So uh, it's this is in the Alabama. Alabama's the tits, folks. I cancel the season. <laughs> so should, should we just cover? Should we just cover the NFL the rest of the year? Or Pretty do you much. Think we no, I mean, it's in the back. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ohio State players play up for bigger games. Um, that's what uh, Urban Meyer does. He gets guys excited about the bigger games because it's an opportunity, you know, for that chance to shine, you know, and the confetti dropping on your head. So a lot of kids play up to bigger games. I think they play down the competition. And uh, you've seen that. I mean, Wisconsin played well, uh, but they just didn't make plays when it was needed to be made. Um, just something that happens in games. But yeah. All right. Well, one, one last thing. The one last thing I'm going to have you touch on here uh, before we go, because it concerns a team in your area. Uh, Mamel brought up something pretty interesting here. The Colts having some issues, and they're probably at their wits' end with Chuck Pagano. Uh, Jim Harbaugh played for the Colts. The Colts are in the AFC South. You know Jim Harbaugh probably wants back in the NFL. He doesn't want his brother walking around with a Super Bowl ring, and he doesn't have one. Um, could you see Jim Harbaugh leaving this year if Chuck Pagano is let go in, in Indianapolis? Um, it depends on the relationship him and that owner has. Um, in that situation, um, Jim Harbaugh would probably, if they get a chance to be in this, uh, this BCS championship and he takes Michigan from where they were to a top four team, um, it, it would look tempting because of the money offer that he would get. Um, I could see him taking a taking a look at it, uh, depending on how they finished. Um, also, Unless he would have a quarterback, that's the thing. He'd have luck, and luck is a relatively young player. That is true. Um, that's that's the bonus of probably the upside to it because you have a great quarterback and you can. You know, probably win a championship in the next three years. Yeah, this is like uh, it's. I think it's making too much sense. This might happen. And then uh, also with the uh, Chip Kelly, uh, he might find himself an opportunity at UCLA after this year. <laughs> Why? You think the Bruins are uh, they're done gonna, with Jim Moore? They're, they're going to get rid of him. Um, regardless of the quarterback, is, is, I mean, you lose your, your starting quarterback. You should have the type of athletes to step in and, and help UCLA win, and they're not doing that. I mean, Washington State or this Chip Kelly not good. Does Chip Kelly run his offense with Josh Rosen? No. That's not a marriage. Man. Josh Rosen probably won't be there. Well, be there He's at least another, another year. year. He's got another year, so well, he, he, he walking into that. Well, 
And I guarantee you it'll be somebody who's going to take a look at that school if Chip Kelly takes an interest in it. I mean, he's going. he has to get out of professional football. Yeah, he definitely does. I think we all can agree on that. We're going to have to leave it at that, Les, man. As always, appreciate you calling in the show. we got to bounce. Holla, man. Oh, yeah, 2 and one five and 2 in college. Let's get it. There you go, my man Les. Killing it, <laughs> killing it each and every week uh, out there. We gotta get him on the show to drop these picks beforehand. He needs a little, he yeah. needs a little pressure put on him, you know, beforehand. So, but nevertheless, no pressure here for us. Another Monday show in the books. We broke it down for you: college football, NFL football. We sorted out the, the future college job openings. We put people in the NFL. We kicked people out of the NFL. Um, that's what we do here. We gotta get a monster. That's- dot uh, com sponsorship going on the show because we uh we we put people in jobs around here we're getting people back to work make America great again yes should we run for president uh, yeah. we'd make a good yes, ticket man. this year I, I honestly uh, we should have started earlier we might have had a chance look now I got kids at the elementary school would probably make a good candidate with these two here but we're not going to get into the political <laughs> talk we're going to sign <laughs> off now on that political note okay all right today's show was huge. Now we're out. All right. We'll see you back on Friday. Great Iron Stud Show. Thanks for listening. Can you picture what will be so limitless and free? Desperate. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.